0: Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now,
1: here are the doctors.
0: Well, Zach, we are marching on here through the end of summer, and um, it's gotten a little bit cooler outside. It has, yeah. Know, but uh, still pretty muggy. They're pretty muggy,
1: It though. is, yeah. It's. I always think it's going to turn around and then, yeah, it ends up being humid and hot and.
0: But what yeah. a great time of the year though! Football gets started That's right. this weekend. Football is starting. Um, it's kind of the preseason stuff. Next weekend's when the real college games really kick they start, up. Hit. Yep. So uh, Clemson <clears throat> plays. I think Georgia Tech first on Monday. Following next weekend, and um, and Carolina gets in in action. So uh, yeah, we're gonna have some. It's a fun time of the year. Tour championships yeah. going on right now. That's um, right. At East Lake, and, uh, you know, Scotty Scheffler, I think, and uh, Patrick Cantlay are kind of battling it out there. So we'll see how that ends up this weekend. So a lot of fun things going on. Great time yeah. of the year. It Love is a fall. good time of the year. Yeah. I wish the stock market thought it was a good time of the year.
1: That, that I wish too.
0: Yeah, it's been a little bit of a rough week. We've had a great five, uh, five or six weeks or so. Right. In the it has
1: been really good. So I think we're thankful for that. Nice recovery, good recovery but, uh, in July but it, and it beginning
0: definitely August. has taken a breather this week a little bit. Yes. So we'll see how that plays out. Um, you know, and speaking of the stock market, you know, and the economy, we have a lot of great information to talk yeah, about this is today. Yeah, it's a good show. Really is. You know, we're going to start off talking about the in, uh, the yield curve inversion. Hmm. Um, you may have heard about that, or we have certainly, but yeah, we the average person it. out there <clears throat> may have heard about it but I'm sure they don't really know a lot about what that means. And so we're going to dig into that a little bit. What does it mean? What does it mean for the economy and the stock market going forward? And how does that relate to your investments? Um, Yeah, we're going to dig into that. I think it's a great dovetail into kind of where the markets are today.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm looking forward to that one.
0: Yeah. And then we're going to follow that up with uh, the Inflation Act, right?
1: Yeah. The Inflation Reduction Act. We're going to dig into some of the the bigger things from that and- um, because I'm sure, you know, I had a lot of questions when it came out. I'm sure you all have a lot of questions. And so we'll we'll touch on that a little bit to see what that's all about.
0: So two very current topics. That'll be very interesting. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart SmartVestor Pro with over 27 years of experience in financial planning and investment advice.
1: And I'm Zach Albanese. I'm a financial advisor who's been in the industry now for three years.
0: Yeah. And we're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon, every Friday morning. And um, you know we'd love to have you check out our website too. There's a lot of information out there, moneymd.net. You can link to us. You can send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. And we'll talk about those right here on the show. We're going to start off here, Zach, with our financial fact of the week.
1: That's right. So the financial fact this week is that the last time the normal retirement age for monthly Social Security benefits was raised was in 1983, 75% of the about 2,500 registered voters surveyed in April of 2022 support raising the normal retirement age again in order to protect the financial solvency of the program. Um, that's That's quite a while. Yeah, you 40, remember? You remember,
0: remember when they raised that? I you in know. 1983? I was.
1: I was, ju- I was. born a little after that, but uh. Uh, you missed that. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, <laughs> I actually remember it. I I wasn't very old, thank you, but uh, but I do remember in '83 when they raised it. And they did it gradually. You know, I mean, it it uh, it, it. Well, I mean, it's still gradual. Um, there's still right. people that are retiring and they're, they're retiring full Social Security at like 66 and 10 months or something. Mm-hmm. But for most people, it's now 67. Um, and, uh, yeah, so they raised it from 65 to 67 back in the 80s, did this gradual thing, and probably going to have to do that again. There's been a lot of talk in the last five years about doing right. it again.
1: <clears throat> what age do you think?
0: Well, it's it has been talk of raising it to 70. 70. Um, mm. and, they, and I think if they do that, it won't affect people that are over 50. Um, you know, they would probably just grandfather everybody in and start with young folks right. like yourself, like, Zach. That's right.
1: That's right. right. I got. I have time to uh, to plan for that.
0: That's right. That's right. It's a little while away from me. So, but most people would rather see that done than than risk, you know, the whole system. You know, right? Yeah, delaying
1: it a little bit to make it a little bit more um, secure. Secure. So I don't have to reduce benefits. So uh, yeah. Anyway, that's that's uh, a good fact.
0: Yeah, I didn't realize it was that far ago, nineteen eighty-three. Yeah, it's about forty years. Yeah, so it might be time to do that again. Yes. All right. Good fact. And that leads up here to our first topic, and that is the yield curve inversion. Um, what does that mean? What the heck is a yield curve inversion? I guess that's what we're going to have to start off with, yeah. Zach. But yeah, there's been this quiet phenomenon going on, Zach, um, this year, and it's pretty unusual, but it's also very meaningful. But that has mostly looted, you know, the average investor's attention. And it's this yield curve inversion, which started on March 31st of this year. Um, So it's been going on about five months. And this is something that doesn't happen very often. And it's historically, you know, one of the best indicators of a coming recession. Hmm. Um, In fact, it has preceded all nine recessions in the past 70 years. Wow! And yeah, we've only had one false positive where we had an inversion. So a pretty
1: good... It's a pretty good metric, pretty pretty yeah.
0: good indicator, no doubt. Yeah. So, so what exactly is considered a yield curve inversion? Um, well, it's simply put, it's when the ten-year Treasury bond is yielding less than the two-year Treasury bond.
1: Right. Okay. So
0: that's kind of the measure when a ten-year bond yields less than a two-year bond. It's inverted. It's kind of going down, right? The yield curve is, and uh, and that's unusual, very unusual.
1: Because it doesn't um, make sense that you should have more return if you're investing for the long longer term. term. Then, yeah. If, yeah. You're,
0: if you're if you're if you on a five year C D, you would expect to get better return than if you're buying a two year C D, right. right? Well, in this case, a ten year bond should yield more than a two year bond. But that's not the case. That's not the case right now. It's not. So it's somewhat of a modest inversion at this point, but there's uh, it's been very persistent for about five months. And uh, there's about a 30 basis point spread between the two and the 10 year, meaning that there's 0.3 percent, you know, less yield for 10 year than there's a two year roughly. Um, And so historically, recession follows an inversion somewhere between six months and 22 months historically. Okay. On that type of inversion. So, you know, we're, we're five months into this, so we're about to enter that window of a possible recession if this inversion is really a good indication.
1: Yeah, and, you know, I think if you think about it, it does make sense that a recession <clears throat> would tend to follow yield curve inversions like this because, you know, what that inversion means is we were talking about it, that investors are willing to accept lower yields to keep their investments safe over the long term. And so speculative investors, they're buying longer-term bonds, betting yields will even be lower in the coming months uh, or years. So simply put, investors think rates are headed lower in the future because they believe a slowdown is coming. And as a result, they believe the Fed will have to start lowering rates sometime in the next year or two to start to stimulate the economy uh, once again. So the yield curve simply just reflects this very weak investor confidence, which is highly correlated with consumer sentiment. And consumers and investors alike think harder times are coming, so they're starting to slow their spending and park longer term money in safer investments like a fixed investment, and the inverted yield curve simply is reflecting this negative investor and and consumer sentiment
0: yeah that's exactly right, so it does make sense you know and and one thing um, we haven't seen yet is the three month yield rising above the 10 10- 10-year yield. That's Um, another good indicator. Yeah. Some academics view that as the most reliable predictor of a recession. Um, And the spread there is narrowing, though, because the Fed continues to raise rates. And it's pushing up the short-term rates. So, in fact, the the Fed remains on a current path. Um, If they stay on this path of raising rates this year, you know, a half percent and then maybe a quarter and a quarter in the last three meetings of the year – the yield curve would be fully inverted by the end of the year if long-term rates hmm. didn't change. Um, so that's, yeah, I mean, we're definitely headed there. We'll see see if that continues. Um, right. So, um, you know, the yield curve deepening, though, may or may not be, you know, relevant if we're already in a recession. And sure. some people think we may yep. already be in a recession because technically two quarters of negative GDP growth has defined a recession yeah. in the past. It's been
1: shallow, but it's been negative.
0: Right. Yep. Exactly. And, uh, you know, we've already seen that for the first half of 2022. Right. Um, we, we are have seen two quarters of negative GDP growth. So technically, we may, we may already be in a recession. However, most economists would disagree with that because most economists for them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, two quarters of declining growth is not a real recession um, because historically we've also had uh, we've, we've had low em- unemployment right now.
1: Oh yeah. Yeah. And right. uh,
0: that would be unusual for a recession. Most economists are looking for uh a higher unemployment to yeah, accompany I think that's... a recession. Yeah. Yeah. So this decline has been relatively shallow so far. So so we may not be in a real recession. Yield curve could be telling us, though, that one is on the way.
1: Yeah, but you know, Steve, economists are not really prized for their forecasting skills. No, they're not. But the yield curve curve on the other end has, really does have a strong track record in calling recession. So, you know, as you mentioned before, the yield curve is, has only gotten a recession forecast wrong once in the past 70 years. So that's that's pretty impressive. Um, so the yield curve is historically, it really is one of the, among the best tools for forecasting recession And it's telling us that we might be in for more pain in the economy before things start to get better. But however, you know, the Fed appears very committed to raising rates. There's a high probability that the next rate hike in September will be somewhere between 50 and 75 basis points, um, which should continue slowing the economy down so it can tame inflation. And, um, you know, economists and investors seem to agree that this, this really is the medicine, even though it's painful, it's the medicine that we currently need for for our economy.
0: Yeah, that's that's true. Um, and so we'll see, but I, I think that is is definitely going to work over time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so the big question everybody has is, what do we expect the markets to do? Right. You know, going forward, markets have rallied in the past two months off the the mid June lows um, as inflation appears to have peaked and some employment data has held up better than expected. Mm -hmm. Um, So while the yield curve might be pointing toward, uh, you know, more pain ahead, markets appear to be more optimistic and are indicating that the worst may be behind us. So, you know, what might appear as a conundrum with these opposing indicators, um, you know, in truth, uh, these forecasts may be more aligned than most people realize. Mm -hmm. Because you see, the stock market is a leading economic indicator, um, similar to the yield curve. And it leads the economy by three to six months on right. average. So, and, and sometimes longer. Um, so, while the yield curve inverted in March, the stock market turned south almost eight months ago in January. Right. And so, um, for the, to turn positive now would simply imply that the economy might start getting better in six months six from months, now. Six months, right yeah, so that scenario would fit pretty well, you know, with the deepening recession over the next few months and and then bottoming out by the end of the year. So, yeah. so maybe it's all lining up,
1: right. You never really know, because the big question is always, has the stock market fully priced in a more significant slowdown in the economy? And even though many analysts would say no, you know that that could be true. we just we just don't know. you know, so however, um, even if it is true, that could change quickly and be a moot point within a few months. You know, one thing market analysts seem to agree on is that once inflation makes a significant turn lower and the Fed signals they're starting to back off from their, ingre- their aggressive rate hikes, then markets probably are, are headed higher. And so whether that happens in one month, three months, even six months from now is really anyone's guess. But what doesn't seem to be up for debate is whether these aggressive rate hikes will get the job done to slow inflation and the economy, because most experts seem to agree that it's simply just a, a matter of time.
0: Yeah, I think that's right. So meanwhile, you know, the obvious question is, how do you position yourself for the possibility of a deeper recession or another leg down in the stock market? You know, and so um, unless you plan to need a large portion of your money in the next six months, short answer is probably do nothing different. Right. Right. I mean, probably just to stay the course. Um, however, I mean, every downturn does present certain opportunities, so there might be the opportunity to benefit mm-hmm. from another leg down if it occurs. Obviously, adding money when markets are down is a great opportunity to yeah. buy you know, stocks at a discount. Um, also, downturns may present an opportunity to do a Roth conversion um, yeah. and effectively get more into a tax-free environment going forward while paying less tax in the process since markets are down. Mm-hmm. Also, if you were, you know, if you were have been more conservative for some reason in your portfolio, a downturn like this might be a great time to step back up a notch, Mm. you know, and effectively buy stocks that are selling at a discount. So there are some things you can do. I mean, but you know, regardless of exactly how the market plays out and the economy plays out from here, it's hard to imagine stocks not being at new highs or higher. Um, than they are a year from now, say, for example. Right. So, so we're really talking about a very short period of time, I think, to get through this. Um, you know, we've already been in this, in this bear market for seven or eight months yeah, now. Right. Um, so rather than worrying about where the markets are going to be for the next three, six months, um, we would encourage you to focus on what you can do to control your situation now, such as planning, saving for the long term, History shows markets and the economy will work themselves out over time and return to a healthy level of growth. Mm-hmm. Um, the key to your success over time is to avoid costly mistakes, stay positioned to take advantage of growth when it does occur, and while saving and planning for the future. That's really kind of the bottom line yeah, of the yeah. story
1: here. I think the, the, the challenge is, even if you know something might be coming, you don't know how quickly it will react, you don't know how long it will last, timing that is, is impossible. And sustain the course really is the best bet, um, especially when you're you're in it for the long term. So yeah,
0: I mean we're eight months into this. You right. know, it's 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 we're way too far into this to try to try to time this now <laughs> for sure. Oh, yeah. So yeah. <laughs> you gotta you gotta just hang in there, make some smart moves if there's some opportunities available to you. But yeah, don't don't panic. I think we're I I think the market is on course to work itself out here in right. the next six months. I yep. really do. So. All right, good topic, and that yeah. brings us up here to our question of the week.
1: Yeah. So the question this week is: My rent has gone up a lot. Should I consider buying a house now, even in today's market with the home, with the high home prices?
0: Yeah, that's a good question, and you know, that's a real question that a client asked me this week. You know, it's uh, and it's a real thing, right? I mean, rents are starting to go they up. Are. I mean, the, yeah. the inflation's real, and <clears> uh, so it's not cheap anymore to rent. Um, you know, having said that. To buy a house would be even more expensive now, right? Right. Cause, yeah. Because house prices are super high and and they're probably gonna start coming down a little bit. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, I think they already have come down a little bit. Quite frankly, because you're not yeah. having to pay over asking price for a right. house anymore. Now it's definitely
1: actually, cool. Yeah, houses are on the market for more than it is an, def- an hour. Definitely
0: now. cooling yeah. down. Yeah, I've talked to somebody just last week that had been there, had their house on the market for over a month, and you know, only had a yeah. couple couple lookers. So, you know, it's definitely changed a little bit yeah. and, um, uh, I don't think it's a good time to buy a house. So unless you're planning to stay in that location for, you know, 10 years or more, mm-hmm. I would, I would not buy a house today. I would probably just keep renting, you know, your, your money's not just being thrown away. It's, uh, it's going, you're renting a house, but the person who owns the house has to pay, you know, the mortgage and has to pay taxes and insurance. Right. And there's a lot of cost to owning a house. And if you buy a house, then you got to furnish it. You got to take care of the yard. You got to do all those things. So, you know, all the reasons you started renting in the first place are probably still uh, applicable. And I don't think now would be a great time to buy a house.
1: Right. So yeah. There's my... definitely certain conditions where it would make sense. But for most part, I think if you, yeah, renting now, see where the market goes in the next year
0: in the next couple of years you'll have a better opportunity yeah, to buy a house exactly. if you're in that position. So uh yeah that'd be my answer to that question was hold the phone just to, you know just Yeah. Just, it's a good gonna, question just, though. You're going to pay higher rent. Yeah, very no good doubt. question. That's just the life we're we're in right now. So Hang in there. Good question. All right, and that brings us up here to our next topic, and that is the Inflation Reduction Act and taxes. What you should know about that? Yeah, it just got passed here in the past.
1: Yeah. Couple of weeks. Yeah, you know, Steve. We, recently, we've been hearing um, more and more about this act, and I think it's you know raised a lot of questions. And this act, you know, it's, it's a climate, energy, healthcare tax law bill that increases, or the tax law that that's added to this bill increases IRS funding. Um, there's some changes, some tax policy, tax credits. So, really, is a pretty significant um, bill that President Biden just signed, you know, last week, August sixteenth. So, you know, in August, it's not traditionally a time to think about taxes. Um, but you know, with a bill that comes out like this, with inflation roaring, um, you're paying him more for essentials like food and clothing and gas. It's not something you want to think about. But you may have heard of this and the sweeping legis- legislation that it's um, designed to address some of the significant issues. We're really facing in, in the U.S. right now. Um, you know, some of these issues include high costs of prescription drugs, healthcare availability. You have energy um, energy prices rising. Uh, you have inflation uh, that is obviously really high. And and what's funny is when I first heard this, this I was eager to find out how it's going to combat inflation, and I was right still eager to find out how it's going to combat inflation <laughs> did, after, reading, didn't after it. reading it. Did it? But. No, you know get it. it's a it's a good name for for That's for it. They'll just tag
0: the name on there to make it popular, but yeah. I don't think it so, doesn't. Yeah. I mean maybe
1: maybe some of these things in the long term we'll get into it, but uh, it was anyway, it was funny. But um you know, proponents of this legislation say that it's, you know, various provisions in supporting clean energy production, raising tax revenue, reducing the deficit and in turn hopefully will combat inflation in the long term. So yeah. um you know, some of the expanded tax credits in the legislation could benefit you. So it'd be good to, to pay attention, see what this act does and, and how it might impact you and, and your taxes.
0: Yeah. And, you know, taxes are a big deal. Everybody seems to be a little bit worried that it might raise their taxes. So this is a great topic to dig in this yeah. a little bit and see what it really says, because mm-hmm. um, like most tax bills, everybody's kind of saying, is it going to affect me? Oh, my goodness. You know, right. they're targeting me and Good news is I don't think this is going to target anybody out here that's listening. Um, right. This really is just a, a tax increase on corporations. Um, mm-hmm. So that's the first piece of relatively good news that most of us at this act, this Inflation Reduction Act, is not designed to increase your taxes um, on small businesses or on families that make less than 400000 right. per year. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always a question we get. However, uh, whether that you know, would be the actual effect, um, if and when the bill, you know, becomes law. Well, it's already been signed. In fact, so right. yes, it is law. Yeah. Um. You know, is yet to be seen. I mean, we'll see how it plays out. But for now, I mean, lawmakers that have put into this legislation, um, it will not raise taxes on small businesses or families. Instead, you know, under the legislation, come corporations are going to pay more than they currently do. Right. Um, you know, for example, uh, large businesses with more than a billion dollars in reported income, they're going to pay a minimum corporate tax now, of fifteen percent. Yeah. And so, for most most corporations, that doesn't affect them because they're already paying fifteen percent. Yeah. Um, because corporate taxes are fifteen and twenty five percent. You don't have to make much before you're in the twenty five percent bracket. However, some very large corporations, you know, in, in some notable ones that have been mentioned before, like you know, Amazon and Nike. You know, pay very little in federal taxes because they have these intellectual property rights. They move right. overseas. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, a lot of times they're spending money on R&D and, and depreciation and stuff that comes off of their, their taxes. So they claim very little in actual, you know, right. taxable income. So this act will address that and will force these yep. corporations to pay some tax now. So we'll see how it plays out. We'll see how many loopholes there are. When it,
1: sure, yeah, I'm sure. Th- it, it'll
0: be interesting a year to <laughs> oh, see yeah. what they actually pay. Yeah. But uh, that's the intent of the bill. And then it also includes a 1% excise tax on corporate stock buybacks. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, which I don't really agree with because, you know, uh, stock buybacks are taxed anyway because mm-hmm. you're buying stock from an individual that has to sell their they stock. They have to sell it, right. They have to sell it. They pay capital gains tax when yeah. they sell it. So you're already it's already being taxed, and, and I don't know why they tacked another one percent on that. So I don't really agree with that as an investor myself. I think it hurts your investments. But uh, anyway, but it's only one percent, fortunately, so it's not a big one. Not a
1: huge number, yeah. But
0: that will apply.
1: Yep. Yeah. So the next um, thing that this bill addresses is the Affordable Care Act premium tax credits. Um, so it's it actually extends the expandable um, Affordable Care Act program through 2025 um, so that eligible individuals and families who purchase their health insurance through the the marketplace can continue to benefit from the uh, lower health health care premiums. Um, <clears throat> you're generally eligible for a tax credit on your health insurance on the marketplace if you are between 100 percent to 400 percent of the federal poverty level, which all depends on the size of your household. And you can go onto healthcare.gov and look at those details and how it breaks down. Um, but this is extending it through 2025, which started really in 2021 and 2022 um, when, uh, or during the pandemic, um, it it allowed people to um, claim the refundable tax credit. And so this just pushes it back a few more years. Um, so so that's nice. Uh, the next thing this bill addresses is clean energy tax credits uh, for homeowners. So to support clean energy. The Inflation Reduction Act will, in some cases, provide new tax credits. Other energy-related tax credits will be extended, some of which could benefit homeowners. One example of this is um, a legislation that includes a 10-year extension of the homeowner credit for solar projects, like rooftop uh, solar panels. The tax credit could also benefit people who purchase energy-efficient water heaters, heat pumps, HVAC systems. Um, you know, Affordable housing could also get a boost because of the Inflation Reduction Act which would create about a billion-dollar incentive uh, program for energy-efficient, uh, affordable housing. So not just health, but energy and housing uh, that this this uh, bill is trying to address.
0: Sounds like it's extending the credit that's already there for yeah. clean, clean energy. Right. Yeah, yeah, yep. So. Okay, that's good. And then there's also the electric um, vehicle tax credit. Um, and this is also a credit that's already in place, but it makes it a little broader, I think. Yeah. Um, in some sense, uh, because the Inflation Reduction Act, it contains a provision for this vehicle, electric vehicle tax credit, essentially um, uh, extending the credit for new and used electric vehicles uh, for 10 years until right. December 2032, and those credits will apply to any clean vehicle, um, which, for example, now includes hydrogen fuel hmm. cell cars, which I've never seen one, so I don't you yeah. know that it really applies. Uh, yeah. I don't know why okay. that makes a difference because yeah. I don't think anybody's offering one, really. Yeah. But anyway, you know, the law sets income limits on who can claim the electric vehicle credits, however. Um, so it's it's putting a lot of limits on it. Um, and they're based on the sales price of the car where, you know, if it's a real high-end luxury car, it doesn't apply for the credit. Right. You can't get the credit. Um, so that's new. The credit hasn't uh, hasn't put that limit on there before. And um, it also uh, sa- removes the 200,000 car cap um, for claiming the credit, which opens it back up to, to manufacturers like Tesla and, and GM and Toyota mm-hmm. to now- Now they qualify. Now it. they qualify yeah. for the credit. Yep. Um, but there'll also be an option in 2024 for car buyers to take a clean vehicle tax credit as a discount at the time they buy the purchase, right. kind of purchase the vehicle, which effectively would transfer the credit to the dealer who would reduce the price of the vehicle at the time you purchase it. So you don't have to wait till you file your taxes to get that credit if you qualify. So um, so anyway, that's pretty good. It's uh, So it's extending that, that clean vehicle mm-hmm. credit um, for buying electric vehicles.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the next thing uh, the bill addresses is the IRS tax enforcement. So the inflation reduction act includes $80 billion of additional funding over the next 10 years for the IRS. You know, it's not clear at at this point how exactly that money will be spent, but lawmakers anticipate the IRS would use, um, over half of that, of the over half of the funds to improve tax enforcement. This might include boosting staffing levels, modernizing outdated processing systems. Um, $5 $5 billion of that bill is allotted in the bill for uh, uh, technology. And another $25 billion of the additional funding is intended to approve, uh, improve IRS operations. So if you thought the IRS was inefficient, they'll probably still be inefficient, yes. but they'll I mean, be more efficient. They'll have a lot more money to be <laughs> yeah. inefficient with, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, if you thought the IRS wasn't, if you thought you had a high chance of being audited before... Wait till after this yeah, kicks right. in, right? Yeah. Although they claim there'll be no, they're not including aud- increasing audits on the average taxpayer. Right. Yeah. But we'll see. I mean, there's apparently going to be a yeah, lot. Yeah. Eighty more. billion
1: dollars. You know, it's a that's a lot of money. A lot to... <laughs> more.
0: They're by, They're hiring a lot more auditors. Is what they, what yeah. they said. But they're not going to come scrutinize <laughs> your taxes. So. Yeah. So. We'll
1: see. Yeah. So you know, as you can see, the Inflation Reduction Act, uh, you know, makes some interesting changes to current tax credits that'll impact some homeowners or car buyers. It also shifts some long-term tax policy, particularly for larger corporations. And uh, while all the proposed tax changes in the proposed legislation may not impact your personal tax bill, um, a few extended tax credits might save you some money at tax time. Uh, so additionally, the new law, it, it contains provisions that could allow Medicare to negotiate lower prices for some prescription drugs and stuff like that. So really stay tuned to what else comes out about this as, as we hear more about it. Um, you know, this is our first attempt to cover what it initially had in the in the bill, and right. and it's important to to know these things because really, yeah, you, you could benefit if you're if you follow, uh, find yourself in one of these these categories.
0: Yeah, and I think the bottom line is it will not impact the average person right. as yeah. far as taxes in, ta- in terms are.
1: of taxes, right? Right. Yep. So,
0: uh, but great great topic though because we've had lots of questions about oh, yeah. that. Yep. All right, and that leads us up here to our final thing, and that is prescription of the week.
1: Yeah. So the prescription this week is it's time to ditch your bank's savings account because yields have gone up substantially. So it's best now to invest your emergency fund and savings in a money market or high yield savings account for two plus percent. And we were talking before the show. That's right. Yeah, it was two and we've seen it 2.1, 2.2. And it's only going to go up as the Fed increases rates. Right. And it's it's easily accessible to get your money in a money market account. It's it is it yeah. is uh, it's safe there. And it's much better than what 0.25% in your savings account that you currently exactly. have.
0: Exactly. Yeah. So if you got a bundle of money sitting in your savings <clears throat> account at the big, you know, big traditional bank, you know, BOA or somebody, I'm going to point anybody out, you know, but if it's sitting there and you know you're getting nothing on it, right? Right. And they're not going to raise your rate because they, they don't want to help you. But you can get a money market fund anywhere now, just about like Vanguard has them, you know, like oh, yeah. any institution, any brokerage account, you can buy a money market fund and they're, they're yielding 2% now. If you yeah. do the math, they're yielding 2% plus now. So, hey, that's real money. If you had a hundred thousand dollars sitting in cash somewhere, that's $2,000 a year. You can't leave that on the table. Right. It's time to go get that. So look at your savings account, look at your emergency fund. Make sure it's somewhere where it's yielding a reasonable return. Yep, absolutely. So, uh, good prescription of the week. Okay. And that leads us up to a close for this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next week for hear more prescriptions for your financial health. And check us out on our website, moneymd.net. You can link to us there, send us your questions. We'd love to hear from you. Um, or you can give us a call at richard young associates at 706-739-0725 thanks for listening and have a great rest of your week
1: yeah have a great weekend
0: material in this program is
1: intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment tax or legal advice none of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security all hosts are representatives of richard young associates and registered investment advisor